Episode of the North Burroughs Beat. We are recording on July 5th at the Sound Castle Studio in Bellevue. My name is Judy Pastor and I'm your host for today. And I'm happy to be joined by Mark J as co-host. We have two interesting segments for you, so let's get on with the show. Right next to the Emsworth Bridge is a strip center that has had many lives. In the 60s and 70s, it was the Emsworth Bowling Alley, a popular hangout known for all-night bowling. When that closed, it became a shop and save grocery store. In 2002, the Emsworth Shop and Save closed its doors. For years after that, the strip center was either empty or provided office space for various small businesses. But recently, new life has sprung into this center, making it a destination for many North Burroughs residents. In our first segment, Mark will interview the owner of one of those new businesses. I woke up by the Ohio River And a bluebird making noise Oh, oh Between hazy thoughts and quiet shivers All right, I'm in the studio with Rob Southall. Well, Rob, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Thanks and for I, having me. I want to say, uh, before I get into asking you questions, I work out at Rob's gym. And Rob is the kind of guy that makes me excited to go to this gym. I've been to a lot of gyms in my life, and this is the first time the owner has known my name. Every time I walk in, Rob, you say hello to me. I see you say hello to almost everyone that walks in the I gym. I try to. You know their names. Yeah. I've seen you walk into the gym, and people run up to you to like give you a hug. <laughs> and that's the first time yeah, yeah. I've ever seen that in my life. And that's really special about Pittsburgh Pro Fitness, uh, which we're going to get into. And it's a place that a lot of people... Um, I think it's like a hidden gem. A hidden gem. A lot of people aren't aware that it right. exists right. out there. Uh, they think the YMCA is their only option. And it's it's a fine option, but right. sometimes uh, people just want a little diversion from what the Y has. And I think Pittsburgh Pro Fitness is it. So I feel like a Pittsburgh Pro Fitness evangelist sometimes. Right, right. Like I'm telling people, hey, you guys got to check out this gym. It's something special. Yeah. Uh, how long have you owned that gym? We've I've owned it for three years now. So we opened up in February of 2016. Okay. So that was like our first day. We should have been open a little bit prior to that, but, you know, with zoning stuff and building permits and equipment not being there on time so we got pushed it back to february 1st 2016 february yeah yep. yeah and how did people find out about you when you first opened it and it's kind of weird like i've I, i've been in pittsburgh for about 10 years at 10 years at that time okay in 16 2016 and um i had worked with a number of uh clients being at la fitness um coming out on my own um renting space in a little personal training studio um, then I also worked with another company that did primarily basketball stuff. So okay. I kind of brought like my own following with me when we first opened up. Okay. And then kind of from there, it was just word of mouth, um, kind of doing these little harvest festival in Ben Avon. Um, but it's really been a lot of like word of mouth. It, I mean, it's grown pretty much organically for the yeah. most part. I mean, it hasn't been 
a lot of money into marketing or anything like that. But, sure. you know, so, you know, I can only imagine what would happen if we did spend a little bit of money. Right. I mean, marketing. I found it on, I Googled like nearby gyms. Right. Okay. And just kind of looked it up and all the reviews were like, Rob's the best, Rob's the best. Yeah. So I, like, I got to go meet this guy. <laughs> right. I'm and so it. it's been about six months now. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad I did. Uh, the fact that you, you just know me and like you expect to see me at the gym makes me go to the gym to work out. So like my, nice. my own fitness goals have benefited from the relationship that you and I have. So I think nice. it's a really special thing. But about that following that you had before uh, you before you opened the gym, right. um, I know you've done a lot of physical fitness stuff before the gym came to be. Right. You were a bodybuilder at I one did, point? I did bodybuilding. Um, I did one competition, which was kind of like enough for me. Um, yeah. it, was, it was exciting. Like the whole process was had always been kind of interesting to me. So yeah. like just the whole process of prepping your body and eating certain foods. And I think it was more so in my head in the industry, it was like, you kind of have to try different things to be aware of it and to coach it to other people. You know what I mean? So you kind of sure. have to go through it in order for people to kind of want to believe you. So, you know, you have a lot of guys that are just genetic freaks sure. and they could just, you know, do one pull up and they gain 15 pounds of lean muscle. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas right. like me, I have to like work for it. Not that everybody else doesn't, but I just, it seemed like I had to work extra hard compared mm -hmm. to some of my counterparts that I would work out with. And even just, even the people that I worked with at the gym, um, well, you're a tall guy. Right, right. So, so well, six, well over six foot. Like, right, I'm six, six, six and a half. Okay. So, and it's and it's difficult. It's very yeah. difficult to put on muscle um, just because of longer limbs and things like that. So sure. it really was just about me trying different things in the industry. So I did do bodybuilding for, you know, and I had to diet for like 16 to 17 weeks, okay. um, which is an extremely long time. Yeah. And I always tell people I had to diet down during all the picnic time. So it was from mm. like July on, you know what I mean? No so it's like no you. barbecues, no yeah. nothing. You're eating plain grilled chicken. You're just eating like, you know, green beans and That's chicken. mental toughness. It is mental yeah. toughness. It is because everything around you looks great, you yeah. know? So does that, go, does that go all the way back to high school? I would imagine in high school, you probably were a string bean. I was, uh, yeah. I was, I was. Like for my height, I was like, I mean, you know, it sounds like a lot, but I was 185 pounds, okay. but I weigh 225 today. So 185 was like extremely thin at for six, me. At 6'6". Six. At 6'6", six, six, yeah. yeah. It looks relatively thin. Were you thin. into athletics? Uh, I was. Then? I did. Um, I played basketball since the third grade. Okay. Um, I played football for a little bit, but wasn't really my sport. Okay. Um, so I was into, you know, basketball and everything that that came with so you know trying sure. to eat right then but you know i'm in high school so I, of course i ate burger kings and right. all the other good stuff that high school kids eat too so. right i'm jealous of anybody that can dunk a basketball i've really? always wanted to do it i see uh i see some of these nba players that are my height at yeah. five ten that can do it right but uh man i'm not there yet i gotta not, i don't know if i gotta do more squats or what but more squats <laughs> right right that'd get you there sometimes if i try real hard i can get the rim right can't dunk it well man and that's pretty awesome, um, kind of the journey you had, and you have all the experience, and you're taking all that experience and putting it into what you're doing now. Because you not only own the gym, but you are a trainer at the gym right. also, right? That's correct. I know I've asked you questions about my form, and I see people coming up to you just asking yeah. questions. Um, but you have a lot of different kind of clients at right. the gym, right? All, all right. across the gamut. It is. Uh, why do you think that is? I think it's just because, I mean, you know, number one, I think everyone is starting to realize 
that health is wealth for the most part. Mm. You know what I mean? So it doesn't matter from the younger kids, you know, and probably some of that is coming down from their parents, you know, saying that you need to work out. If you're playing sports, you need to do this. Sure. Um, and I think also the older that we get, we were a little bit more mindful of those things, you know, so whether it might have been a health scare, sometimes it brings people in, you know, it's like, uh, my doctor said I need to lose a couple of pounds or, you know, my blood pressure is up, you know, one of the only ways to get that down is to do cardio, you know, so people start out, you know, outside walking and then they're like, well, I probably need to be inside, you know, during the winter times or whatever. So they come in. So, you know, so we work with little kids, we have older adults and, you know, people my age, um, you know, a little bit younger in their 20s that come in when they're when they're home for college break or whatever, yep. and they're still trying to continue their fitness because of what they were doing at school, and they don't want to stop for three months, so they come into the gym. Yeah. But we do see a lot of people, you know, with basically all the same goal in mind. It's just that, you know, wherever you are in life is kind of, you know, what you're working on. But yeah. we get a little bit of everybody. I see, and I see a little bit of everybody when I'm there. And in fact, I've seen you with some real young kids, like yeah. training, yeah. real young kids. What's that about? So we we do some like sport clinics is what we call them. So we call them sport clinics. And basically it's not a lot of um, like weight lifting. It's more so like body weighted training, a lot of speed development, a lot of change of direction, agility stuff, just trying to get their bodies to move a little bit better than what they're doing now. It's, you know, so obviously they're probably not going to stick with it for nine months, but if we can at least get them to move correctly for the six weeks that they're there, that's better than anything. And then hopefully it carries over to their sport and hopefully they go home and practice some of the things that they had went over in those six weeks and, and it carries over to, you know, a lifetime of just physical fitness, really. Yeah, I mean, because I've seen some of those kids work and, and I'm like, man, I wish I would have worked that hard yeah. when I was, you right. know. Right. They look like they're seven, eight years old. Exactly, yeah, and some of them are. Some of them are pretty young. And yeah. that's impressive. Not not the fact that they're just working, but they're also learning the form and the skills and how to be healthy right. Right. in the process. You also work with high school kids? Yes, we do. What yes, high schools do. are in this area do you um, I've worked with Northgate, some Avonworth kids, okay. um, even far out as Upper St. Clair, North Allegheny, okay. um, Oakland Catholic, but, you know, I worked with the Northgate slash Avonworth swim team. Okay. Um, worked with some girls from the soccer team at Avonworth too as well. Um, so, you know, and they do pretty good. Kids seem to, to love the training that, that goes on there. Do you do anything along the lines of mental toughness too? So like mental toughness, we tend to try to address like within the moment. So like if a kid is having a tough time with the push-up and they're just mentally can't get past like doing one more rep or anything like that. We tend, I typically try to bring out that aggressive nature in them because, like I was saying, most kids come in and are mostly kind of timid, So, which is not a bad thing. We want our kids to be kind of you know nice, but at some point we do want them to kind of kick into high, drear, high gear to where they're being a little bit more aggressive. So I try to address that within the moment and told them to think of like, because everyone gets mad. That's a, that's a, it's a human emotion, and if you don't get mad, we, something's wrong. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's a human emotion. So I try to get them to think about, you know, when was the last time you were mad? What, what did your mom or dad say to you? And they're like, oh, I remember. And I'm like, well, use that. Use that, and that will help get that weight up. It's just, it's just, even if it's just for a second, it gives us that split second of strength. I'll take it. I'll take every little bit of that. And if, if that, and that typically helps them to do that one more rep in a push up, a squat, 
whatever it is, run a little bit further, run a little bit faster, it tends to typically help some. Does that help with their confidence? And, that, and it does help with their confidence because once they see that they're able to do something, then it just builds on like, oh, man, I, I was able to do that. I didn't think I was able to get one more rep in, and it does. And if they don't get anything else out of that except for a little boost in confidence, I'll take that boost in confidence over them being able to do one rep and I'll just take that boost of confidence, and that's just as good as anything else. Awesome. And I've seen some older people there, too. In fact, my friend Don Jackson, I yeah. know you've worked with him. Don, I don't know how old Don is, but he is he's a beast of a he's man. He's a beast, man. He, yes, he is. <laughs> uh, you were training him to do, um, he was entering into an arm wrestling tournament, exactly. right? Exactly, yeah. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he got... It's like a national tournament, and he got second place in both his left and, and right arms. Right. Yes, he did. Which is yeah. pretty, pretty yeah. impressive. That's and impressive. Every time I would talk to him about it, he's like, man, Rob's got me on this, and Rob's got me doing yeah. this, and Rob's, Rob's working me. But it paid off. It paid off. And uh, I would definitely say, you know, Don's a, a senior citizen. Yeah. He's in that gym. He's right there along with the kids. Yeah, just like him. Yeah. And the nice thing about Pittsburgh Pro Fitness is it is not jam-packed with uh, – like a, like you're not rubbing shoulders with people there's space right. the the space is open there's people doing crossfit and then you got you got your people you know doing your squats and your heavy lifts on the other side right. Right. and um i've had been in some other gyms where i just feel like i'm rubbing shoulders with people yeah. trying to work out and then right. my form suffers and i get shy yeah um so it's a it's a really awesome place to work out. i've never had to um like be in somebody's way or no one's right. ever really been in my way right. through that so um, I'm thankful that I discovered it. Yeah. Where is the gym located? The gym is located, um, for the people around here, it's, it used to be the old Shop and Save um, Plaza down in Emsworth. Um, but there's there's Pittsburgh Pro Fitness is there now. There's a dance company there now. Um, and it, I guess further on before that, it used to be a Rite Aid and some other Dollar General. It used to be a lot of different things. And so the building had set vacant probably for about, 15 to 20 years maybe if that and um we took a look at it and it happened to be the spot for us so we're right down there at 82 center avenue in emsworth pa and if somebody wants to check it out can they come and work out for a day or what's the protocol for that so if you want to come in we just have a day pass and it's just 10 bucks for the day you can come in our hours are 6 a.m to 8 p.m monday through friday saturday 9 to 5 and then sunday 11 to 4 uh, you can come in for 10 bucks and work out all day if you like to. All right, Rob. Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you, Mark and Rob. In our second segment, we have something really special. As the Avalon Motel inches towards its final demolition, there's been a lot of talk about what an eyesore it has been. But it wasn't always that way. Denny Brown of Avalon recently contacted me with an essay he wrote about the history of the Avalon Motel. It ran in The Citizen in 2013. With Denny's permission, Mark will read it. Sit back and enjoy. It may change the way you think about that abandoned building on Ohio River Boulevard. Sometimes when I'm working on the property across from the Avalon Motel, I stop and reminisce about how we used to play one hand below in the parking lot every Sunday night. It was the best night because Sunday was always slow at the motel with only a few cars in the lot. 
we would have as many as four on a side. Carrie, who went to school with my older brother, could throw the ball from the Emsworth end to the Bellevue end of the parking lot. I would be told to go deep, running as fast as I could. Carrie would launch the football high into the darkness, and I would start to look for it. You would only have a fraction of a second when it would appear. Nuts! I missed it. Then the comments would start. You stink! Idiot! It was right there! Sometimes, when we couldn't find enough players, we would ask Carrie's sister Trish and my neighbor Diane, she could beat me up until I reached the fourth grade, to play. There was nothing worse than playing defense and having the girls catch a pass. Again, the comments came. Recently, when I was at a 60th birthday party, I was asked how the Avalon Motel came to exist. I guess my brother, who lives in Texas, and I are probably the only ones who know its history. Mom and Dad, who later would be known to my friends as Frank R. and Elizabeth S., moved to Avalon in 1955 and bought 512 Ohio River Boulevard. On the site where the motel is was a huge farmhouse with a wraparound porch. I, being five years old, thought it was the biggest house in the whole world. Dad worked for Kuntz Equipment in Emsworth, selling parking meters to municipalities. Money was tight. They would repair parking meters in the cellar just to make ends meet. After winning a rezoning court case against some of the neighbors, the first six rooms of the motel were built. If you are looking at the present motel from the sidewalk facing the river, it's the building that doesn't have a second floor. In the back were an additional six unfinished rooms. It would take another year until these six rooms are ready for rental. Dad would go to work and Mom would clean the rooms. Being six or seven years old, I was oblivious to the long and tiring days my parents put in. Children today have Bob the Builder to watch. We had Bob the Bulldozer Operator. As he would push the dirt around making either a foundation or the driveway, my brother and I would have one of the best playgrounds. At the end of the day, we were covered in mud. Back then, there was no interstate highway system. One of the main routes from the airport to downtown Pittsburgh was to cross the Swickley Bridge and take Route 65. We would advertise that the Avalon Motel was five miles from downtown Pittsburgh. Most of our customers were business people. They would check in on Monday night and stay until Friday morning. Dad wanted to expand, but Mom was tired. Cleaning 12 rooms, raising two children, cleaning the home, you get the picture. It was time to hire some help. The next-door neighbor, to be precise, to clean rooms. The second phase of construction required some help from my grandparents. Both would refinance their homes and lend my parents the money. The loan would be paid back in less than four years. The room total was now 21, with a small two-bedroom apartment. These additional rooms were located in the building just to the right of the original six. Back then, motels never had a room 13, superstition. So there were actually only 20 rooms. The time had come to bring down the old homestead and enlarge the parking lot. Let the games begin. It took a long time to get used to living in a small apartment, The motel office was in the front room, and people thought our living room was a lounge. I remember one Saturday morning when my brother and I, still in our PJs and watching the Three Stooges, were joined by a motel guest who came in and sat beside us in our living room. The year was 1960. The Pirates won the World Series, and the third phase of construction for the motel had begun. Rooms 22 through 36 were added on the Bellevue side of the motel, making the building an L-shape. Dad resigned at Kuntz. We now had about 12 employees. Three of the new rooms could be rented as one-bedroom efficiencies. 
The final phase of construction, which was the Emsworth side of the building, started in 1962. With the addition of units 37 through 48, the motel became the shape it is today. President Kennedy and the Soviets had their big nuclear confrontation and war had been adverted. Civil defense was on everyone's mind and my parents were no exception. In the back corner of the new building, a game room slash nuclear bomb shelter was built. They purchased enough survival foods to last six months. Twenty years later, the garbage man would carry the foods away. At the time, when the shelter was being built, it was believed that the roof, made from plywood sheeting covered in tar paper, would stop the nuclear fallout. It was a great place for a 12-year-old and friends to play. The motel occupancy during the mid-60s had reached near 90%. My brother and I, now in our teen years, had outgrown our little bedroom and the motel needed more office space. Mom and Dad rented the second-floor apartment in the house located on the Bellevue side of the building. A year or so later, they bought that house. This was the first time we felt like a normal family. It didn't take long before the motel apartment disappeared. Our living room became a coffee shop. Mom and Dad's bedroom now had two desks, and our bedroom became room 13. The superstition was gone. At that point in time, the borough of Avalon only had beer gardens. Wine and liquor sales were not allowed in the local establishments. That was the change. The River Road Inn, now the Rusty Dory, was located about three city blocks away, and the owners wanted to pass a law allowing motels with 16 or more rooms to have full-service restaurants and lounge liquor licenses. A referendum was passed in 1966 elections. A couple of years later, all taverns were granted permission to have full-service bars. The motel was operating like a well-oiled machine. The coffee shop served full breakfast and was a great attraction to the motel. At night, the shop became a limited restaurant, mainly a steak menu. It too served the motel well. Only being in eighth grade, I became the master of the kitchen. My culinary career was short-lived. The River Road Inn was under construction building motel rooms. Mom and Dad had to make another life-changing decision. We were motel people and knew nothing about the restaurant business. My parents felt that they had no other recourse. The Contiki Restaurant and Lounge opened in December 1967. It specialized in Polynesian food and drink. With little experience in the food industry, a chef and a head bartender became our teachers. On the first floor was the lounge, a dining room which could seat about 36 people and an outdoor patio. The second floor was the main dining area. Also on the second floor was a private room suitable for small parties. The Contiki could serve as many as 200. We now employed around 50 people. The first couple of months were very chaotic. One of the first problems we faced was parking. With the motel at 90% occupancy, the main lot only had a couple of extra car spaces. An additional lot was added on the Emsworth side of the building, but it wasn't large enough. I was about to get a new weekend job. My 16th birthday was conveniently two months before the grand opening. Mom and Dad made it a point to teach me now to drive. I passed my driving test in record time. I thought I must be a natural. Boy, was I naive. After hiring a couple of my friends, we were off and running, literally. We would park cars in lots that we rented as far as a block away. I remember telling customers at 7 p.m. that a table would not be available until 9.30 p.m. The food was the best. Even after starting college, I would come home on the weekends to park cars. The tips were that good. Sometimes it was hard working every Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night. At the time, I thought I was missing a lot of school activities and things most kids did in their late teens. But I wasn't alone. Most of my friends worked at the Contiki, too. 
We were busboys, dishwashers, short order cooks, motel desk clerks, and valet parkers. When payday came around, my buddies would wait to see who signed the checks. That's how mom and dad became Frank R. and Elizabeth S. Even today when we get together, it's just a matter of time until a Kantiki story is told. Boy, the stories. After a tour in Vietnam, my brother started to work in the kitchen. He loved cooking so much that he would have a cookbook published in the late 1990s. From 1975 until 1979, I would manage a motel that mom and dad owned on Interstate 70 in Washington County called the Avalon Motor Inn. But that's another story. They say everything has a price. Around 1972, a group of investors approached mom and dad with an offer they couldn't refuse. So they sold the Avalon Motel. They moved into a house across the street from the motel on Ohio River Boulevard and started to travel. When I look back on those years, I realize it was a life so different from normal. The one thing that was always constant was the love from my parents. An essay by Denny Brown. We can float our troubles up the Ohio Toss them in and far away they'll go And if your cares are the heavy to drift I'll be your friend, I'll be your lips So let's float our troubles up the Ohio And that's the show. Just a reminder, don't forget about the North Boroughs Y 5K Fun Run on July 20th and there's still time to sign up and to get in shape for it. And the Bellevue Wine Crawl on the evening of July 19th sounds like fun too. The Bellevue's Farmer's Market in Bain Park is every Wednesday from three to seven. Don't miss it. Thanks to my co-host and sound engineer, Mark J. Music is from his CD, Riverbeds. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, the North Boroughs Beat Podcast, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. See you next time. And if your cares are the heavy to drift, I'll be your friend, I'll be your lips, so let's float our troubles up the Ohio. Oh.